Okay, we need to thank our friends at Lacey Boots. Our good pal Nancy Baldock got Sky hooked on Lacey Boots. These boots are some of the most comfortable on the market. They are C-width, which gives feet and toes more room. And the taller boots come in three calf sizes so they can fit just about anyone. These highly technical boots are extremely comfortable, fashionable, and add extreme impact protection. Lacey Boots also has a line of Western shirts called the Cool Cowgirl. With cooling technology, these shirts are soft and stretchy, fully perforated for airflow to help keep you cool. Find Lacey Boots on Facebook or visit LaceyBoots.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans. I'm grateful you're hanging out with me today. I'm going to talk about our clinic we just finished up in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin. This is our second time come to St. Croix. Uh, I don't even know how many times I've been to Wisconsin. Um, been coming to Wisconsin a long time, and I'm very grateful for all those amazing people there. Uh, we had a few repeats at the clinic. Had some friends like Chuck and Diane Gross. Shoot those those folks. They've been coming since I came to Wisconsin in the very beginning. And and uh, oh, Lane Halverson. He's been to a few and. Oh, it's just good to be among friends there for dang sure. So there's quite a few lessons that I want to share. Uh, but before I do that, I want to thank Carl and Patty. Uh, man, they are, they'd run a great ranch there. We did the clinic at R&R Ranch, R&R Ranch. And, you know, Patty runs a little tack shop there. They got a beautiful indoor arena, uh, an amazing outdoor arena. That's where we had our clinic. The weather was just great. So we did our clinic outside and, and, Thank you, Carl and Patty, for doing such a good job. So, you know, uh, I like to have a little meet and greet and a little meeting the the day before the clinic. So most of our clinics start on Thursday, okay? And I like to have a little meet and greet on the Thursday, or excuse me, the Wednesday evening before the class. We have my favorite, chips and salsa, and uh, usually some other kind of chips and dip too. But we have chips and salsa. And I kind of tell everybody how things are going to go, what what they should expect, uh, how to prepare, what what to do every day, and and I give them some advice, and and then I give them a little bit of. I usually like to give a little word of encouragement or some kind of meaningful message, you know. And uh, I told these folks in Wisconsin, I said, "Okay, I need you guys to practice. I need you to practice. Now this is going to be huge." If you guys practice, you will see results and you'll be able to come to class with questions. And I am really proud to say that most of them, not all, not all of them, <laughs> but most of them took my advice and they practiced. And they did a good job. In fact, I got to speak on, uh, or I got to talk about my buddy Ken. Uh, he he was practicing and, and he got so involved in his practice that he even missed the potluck. <laughs> He's, he's practicing and, and riding and working. And he said, next thing you know, he looked at the clock and, and it was seven and potluck was pretty much over. And, you know, uh, I said, man, that's a good excuse to miss potluck. That's a good excuse because, uh, yeah, you're, that's the whole point. And, and a lot of, I asked these folks, and if you come to the clinic, I'm going to ask you, just give me 10 or 15 minutes of practice in the evening. You know, it's one thing when you guys are in the clinic, you know, yeah, you're out there three hours in a class with me because we usually have a morning class and afternoon class and you're out there three hours and some people double dip. 
In fact, a lot of people double dip. A lot of people sign up for both. For example, foundation and mealmanship one. Those two you can sign up for both classes and um, and use the same meal. Uh, and uh, so even, even if you're out there for six hours working and stuff, you know, the difference is, is I'm talking all the time. You got other people that are around you that you're probably worried about or, you know, you're at least keeping your eye on. Uh, you got things going on. It's busy. And uh, you're going to you're going to get a lot out of it. I'm going to I'm going to promise you that you're going to get a lot out of these clinics. But I found that the learning really sinks in for all of you when you go practice afterwards. And that even goes for when you guys go home and you keep working, you keep practicing even after I've left. Um, that's where a lot of this learning really takes place. So if you're listening and you're planning to come to a clinic soon, plan to practice every evening. Plan for it now and do it because it'll make such a difference in the in the progress you guys make. You know, um, a lot of folks ask, well, do you do the same thing in every class? You know, well, yeah, I, ha- I have the same outline, uh, things that I'm, I'm here to share with all of you. But I promise you one thing, the classes vary on how far we get. And there is no end to it. It's an, it's an eternal round of things that we can do and things that we can work on and things that we can improve upon. Uh, so, so there's no limit to how far we can go. We're not going to get everything done. So we get all these things done in two days and we still have one more day. I say, well, we've gone through everything. Uh, I guess you guys can go home early. That's never going to happen. That's not going to be the case. There's always other things that we can improve upon and get better on. And, uh, it's never ending on the questions you guys can ask too. You know, the clinics can surely take a turn, uh, depending on the questions that come. So ask the questions, come prepared with the questions. And these folks did just that. It was, it was really cool seeing them, you know, and they were early to class too. I just can't praise these guys here in Wisconsin enough. They were just awesome. They, they showed up to class early. I, I, I never beat them to class. They were there early on time, worked hard. They were also really good about coming up to me in the clinic and asking questions. Now, if you've never been to a clinic, this is, this is how it works. Okay. Um, you, you're going to come to class and I'm going to demonstrate some things to you. Okay. I'm going to show you some moves and, and I'm going to explain these things to you and share the, the exercise and also the philosophy behind it. Some of the mental stuff behind. Okay. And then I'm going to turn you loose and let you practice. Now, while you're practicing, things are going to come up. Things are going to be, uh, you know, maybe challenging. Maybe they're going to be easy. You can have questions, you know, know that you can come up and ask me questions anytime. And these folks, they kept me on my toes the whole time because when I was done talking to one person, somebody else would come up and ask me another question. And I'm done with them. Somebody else comes up and, and I just love that personally. Uh, man, it's invigorating. And I, um, it, it was fun here in Wisconsin because after every session, I left there with energy. Like it, it was not a draining clinic. It was an uplifting clinic. And, and, and just speaking from my side of, of the thing, you guys, from my side, you know, it feels so good to be around people like that, that want to learn so bad. They have questions. They're asking, they're interested. They want to learn. They want to get better, man. I, I leave the clinics and I'm pumped up and I can't, you know, it's in the evening and I can't go to sleep because I'm, I'm thinking about how fun the clinic was and how great the people were and how much questions 
how many questions people were asking and how involved it was. And it's just really awesome that those folks were doing that. So big thanks to all of you that came up and asked questions. Um, you know, another thing, this clinic, uh, we had, we had a, a few young ladies join us there. Um, ages 10, the youngest participant was 10 years old. Um, and then there's a couple, uh, young ladies aged, uh, I think they're 12, both of them are 12 there. And, uh, Hey, this is fun. You know, uh, if you guys have ever thought about signing your, your kids up now, people will call me and say, Hey, what's the, what's the minimum age? You know, how young is too young? And typically I tell them, you know, uh, thir 13, typically I say, you know, if they're over 13, they seem to really get involved and do it pretty good. Younger than 13, sometimes they're still a little shy or sometimes they're maybe, uh, a little immature, maybe they just would rather go play than ride. But you know what? <laughs> that was not the case this week at all. Uh, the 10 year old Sophie, 10 years old, she brought her, her nice little gilding named Moon, and she did both classes the foundation and the mulemanship one. And uh, boy, she worked hard. And this gal had really good questions. Uh, her parents were raising her right. They, she had good questions. She'd come up and she was not shy to come ask me questions, ask me how to do things, what to do, and how to go. And uh, and I think she did great. She did really great. I'm not sure if you guys can hear that. It's raining. And um, I hope it's not too loud on the microphone. I'm going to keep on going because, well... I don't have anything else to do now. I'll be uh, walking in the rain out if I go outside now. So I'm going to keep on recording if you guys don't mind. Please excuse the rain. Hey, this is real life for me. We're on the road. Uh, I'm coming to you from Michigan today. And um, I uh, hopefully you just listened to the Mule Tip Tuesday. I recorded that earlier. Now I want to record this uh, this Wisconsin Clinic debrief. And, you know, things come up like this, the rain, hey, it's real life. And I don't have, I'm not, I don't have a studio. Of course, I call this the Freightliner studio if you've been listening long. So, okay. Anyways, yeah, the kids were great. These, these young ladies really worked hard. Uh, another young lady named Jordan, she had some good questions and she was, she was challenged. Her mule named Cisco was just a herd bound son of a buck. Um, and, uh, her mom was also in the clinic and her mom was riding a mule that was even more herd bound. And the very first day they're having difficulties with this. And I told them, listen, because these, these, these two in the beginning were not confident riders. Now, by the end, Jordan sure seemed confident. Her mom was still trying to find some confidence, but Jordan was sure confident. Now the very first day though, they're trying to separate, make these two meals go away. And I could see that first of all, these two didn't have the ability to get that done. Second of all, they're they're going to get into a bigger bind trying to force these these mules to go away than they are by first just riding together. So my advice with these two, not being confident, I said, don't worry about separating these two today. I want you two to work around each other all day. Just work near each other. Get comfortable just riding because these two didn't seem comfortable just being in the clinic, just riding in the clinic. So, hey, just ride, work around each other. We're going to do with the herd bound stuff later on. They did that the first day. Day two, they got to where they could ride separately, and these two mules weren't just ridiculous. And uh, day three, actually, Michelle didn't end up riding, so it was just Jordan, which was great for Cisco to ride by himself. And so that seemed really helpful, too. But, you know, if you guys are dealing with a herd-bound mule and you're not comfortable dealing with a mule that wants to be, you know, 
with another mule, like they're not going to just leave easily. You guys, it's not going to be just uh, a piece of cake for you to, and just to make them go. It's, it's going to be a challenge. So make sure that you don't bite off more than you can chew. Okay. Because if you, you, sometimes you get into that and they, when they're herd bound, their instincts are just, oh man, they're out of the top. They're at the top. They're, they're worried about the other animal. They want to be by the other animal. They don't feel safe away from the other animal and it's endless, right? So make sure that you, Build your confidence first. Maybe just ride together. I, I'm not going to get into that herd bound fight right off if I'm, you know, if I was you guys not being confident to ride. Now, once you're confident and you can direct that mule and ride that mule, why go ahead and start to stretch the rubber band. And and I had Jordan and Michelle basically doing this. I said, okay, ride, ride away from each other for a little ways and then come back and ride together for a little ways and then separate and ride again and stretch the rubber band and then come back. You don't have to just cut it off cold turkey and just never let them ride next to each other again. You got to stretch that rubber band because the point is, is not so much that I can ride them separately and by themselves. The point of working through this herd bound stuff is to get the mule to where they're handy enough and responsive enough that you can ride them away from the other animal. That is the point, okay? To be able to ride away from the other animal. So focus on that. Focus on that. And, <clears throat> you know, over time, it'll get easier for you, I promise. Now, uh, another little thing that come up that I want to mention that those of you that, that are coming to clinics soon, and that's what these debriefs are kind of for, you guys, so you kind of have to expect. But in the groundwork, okay, remember back to high school when we all that geometry crap that the teachers made us do, <laughs> you know, and we thought, when am I ever going to use that? Well, guess what? When you show up here at one of my clinics, you're going to be using some geometry, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Uh, but you're going to be using some. The groundwork especially is all dependent upon lines and angles, okay? And if you guys can figure out your angles, uh, I, I challenge you to do this. Go to my website, tsmules.com. Go to the video library. Log in on your video library account there. And if you don't have one, you can get your account on there. Just sign in and hit the subscribe button, and you can be part of that. But go to, the, go to some of the groundwork stuff. Go to the Everyday Mulemanship Challenge 2020 that I put on there. And pay attention to the angles that I'm walking when I'm doing the groundwork. So don't get so wrapped up in the exercise of, you know, what foot you're trying to move and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, you need to pay attention to that too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying watch the angles by which I ride or work there on the ground. And it'll help prepare you for when you guys come and, and do these clinics with me, especially if you're going to do the foundation class. Because you might be doing everything correct, but you're just walking the wrong direction or in the wrong angle, coming in too steep or too sharp or too wide or too long. And and the rest of the whole move just fails because of that angle. And you might do, be doing everything else correctly. So start watching those videos and pay attention to those angles that you see me doing and working through. And then wait, when you come to the foundation class, you'll be prepared, okay? but that makes a big difference. And as soon as, as soon as I get the people in the foundation class walking the correct way and getting their mind off of driving so much, see so much of the groundwork, people are focused on driving and you can go to pretty much anybody's clinic and they're going to tell you all about body position on the ground. Okay. We, we stand here, does this stand here, does that. And that's all part of your angles, but what they don't talk about enough and which I'm trying to talk about more of is to, to fade away from focusing so much on 
Don't focus so much on driving the shoulder, driving the hip, driving the ribs, pushing, 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 and rather start to work on building that slack line and giving the mule a chance to respond. Um, and also working through it so the mule puts themselves in puts themselves in a position for you to continue working from as well. You don't always have to put yourself like you don't have to walk around and drive them around all the time. You know, you can set yourself up so they will make the movements, make the accommodations and we'll move around you. And some of this stuff is hard to follow. You know, while you're listening, you may not have a clue what I'm talking about. Go watch the groundwork videos. Those will help you or come see me at a clinic and uh, yeah, that'll make some sense. Um, Another note I got here. Uh, we had mostly mules in the clinic. Um, I can't remember how many. I think we had, I think there was 20 mules or something like that. We had, uh, maybe there's a little less than 20. Um, and then we had a donkey and we had one horse and we had a henny. Now, if you're listening, you don't know what a henny is. A henny is just basically the opposite of the mule. A mule, you have the jack on top, mare on bottom, okay? On a henny, you have a, a stud, a, a horse on top, and you have a, a jenny, a female donkey on bottom, okay? That makes a henny. Um, basically the same animal, okay? I've worked with a lot of hennies, been around a lot of them, and you would have no idea it was a henny unless they told you. and you know, unless, unless you knew how it was raised. Um, the only way that you're going to ever discover maybe that you have a henny is, is I've noticed that typically, you know, mules get really herd bound to, to mares and horses. Okay. Mules really love a horse. Oh, they love their mommies. Okay. Well, the hennies, they love their mommies too, but their mommies are a donkey. And so they won't have near the care for these 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 horses but they'll really be attached to donkeys okay they really like the donkeys and so uh that's kind of the only way to tell and even that is glitchy that's not 100 percent at all so um but really there's no different in working with a henny or mule there's nothing different uh and they they really they act the same they look the same you just you can't tell them apart so but it was fun having a henny there and um a donkey, a horse, mules. It was great. I had my, so if you guys have been listening to this podcast, I think this is like episode 122, I think episode 122. Okay. I got 122 episodes and I've got, uh, you know, all these clinics behind me. And I usually say I've never had a, a donkey bolt. Okay. I've said it over and over, but never say never because here in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin, I had my first bolting donkey, okay? His name was Forrest, and uh, Katie was there. She was actually a volunteer and using Forrest for another participant there that runs a, a rescue, okay? And the lady she was with, her name's Kim, and she had a, a mule that was uh, one of these bolters, okay, and having a hard time with this, really really not wanting to stay with her. He, he, got, he got loose from Kim. Okay, well, that mule goes running right past Forrest, the donkey, and uh, old Forrest decides to join right in. And so he, he takes off, and he's he's not putting a lot of energy into it, but just enough that he loses Katie. And then he, he kind of trots over there to the corner of the arena, and then he just lets out this big old bray, just lets it out. 
And uh, of course, everybody giggles and laughs. And I'm like, are you kidding? I've never had a bolting donkey. But then I remembered a long time ago, a few years ago, I don't know, four, four years ago, five years ago, one of my friends, Diane Penny, was riding a mule. And we were, or excuse me, riding a donkey. And we were working on transitions trying to get this donkey to lope. And she couldn't get to lope, couldn't get to lope. And I said, okay, well, let's just leave it be for a little bit. Maybe we'll try later. Okay, something spooks the donkey later on in class. And the donkey just takes off running. Now, it's just like a half-hearted run. But it's, it's sure enough running off with Diane. But she's so excited that this donkey is running that she's like, woo! <laughs> and pretty excited about it. Uh, wasn't even upset about it. But so, so those are the only two runaway donkeys that are, yeah, runaway donkeys that I've ever had in a clinic. And we just had the first one on the ground named Forrest. So there you go, Katie. You and Forrest are... Uh, yeah, you will be remembered. I promise you. Now, another thing I want to talk about was a, a, a participant that's been coming to a lot of my Wisconsin clinics since the beginning as well. Her name is Tammy, and she has a mule named Pearl. Now, speaking of the bolting stuff, okay, that seems to be seems to be a common thing this year. A lot of meals bolting, and you know, we just need to spend more time getting these things broke to lead when they're young and not pulling them around so much. But a lot of people just don't put the time into mules, getting them soft like they do a horse, okay? And they drag them too much. Now, Tammy has this mule, Pearl. And when I came to Arkdale, Wisconsin, three years ago, uh, she had this this mule there, and it was Bolton. In fact, we joke that she got banished to the round pen to work on her mule pearl because she couldn't keep a hold of it in the arena so you know to help her out we put her in the round pen so when the mule goes away she doesn't have to you know try to catch it every time it's not such a big deal now i do things a little different now you're you will you will rarely get banished to the round pen these days you we work through it and it's a little different now and you know yeah it, it's getting better but uh I want to give Tammy a shout out because she has done a tremendous job on Pearl. Now, any of you that are dealing with a mule that bolts or a donkey that bolts or a horse, especially horses, there's a ton of bolting horses, okay? Um, but if you're dealing with that, know that there is hope, I promise you. But it takes a long time, takes a lot of work. Like Tammy has put in three years of work into this mule Pearl. But, you know, I told her three years ago, I said, hey, this is a hard thing to fix. It really is. And if you're not in it to really help this mule and help this mule find comfort being with you and want to be with you and enjoy being with you, then you need to move this mule down the road somewhere to somebody else that will fit that because this bolting business is is pretty serious, challenging stuff. And she says, Ty, I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And my gosh, Tammy stuck to it. She did it. She comes back here, you know, three years later with this mule, Pearl, and not an issue at all. This mule is staying with her now. So good job, Tammy. And any of you listening that are seeking hope out there, hoping that things will get better, there you go. You got you a success story right there with Tammy and Pearl. So good job, Tammy. Um, uh, something else that come up that I wanted to tell you all. Uh, this is important to me, okay? I tell you at the beginning of the clinics, hey, it's important and it's okay to ask why. I am totally fine with you all asking why. And I I would I hope you ask why are these questions. I hope you don't just 
accepted as as fact and as gospel um, without really understanding. Because part of part of really understanding this stuff is asking why and and. There's a why to everything, and you're listening right now to somebody. I am, I am the why guy. Okay, I got in trouble all the time growing up. My dad would get irritated at me because I would ask why so much. And don't ask me, don't ask why. Just do what I'm telling you. And um, but I've always asked why, and I appreciate those that ask why. Now there was a great participant there. Uh, her name was Lindsay, um, and. She had an important question about the soft feel. Now, if you're listening and you don't know what picking up a soft feel is, again, check out that video library or come to a clinic. But basically, it's one of the the, the beginning prerequisite stages to collection and self-carriage, okay? Basically, getting the mule to give longitudinally at the pole. So it's not lateral flexion. It's longitudinal flexion. Basically, having them give back longitudinally and, and, and flex there at the pole, that bone at the top between their ears, that big knob between their ears, that's the pole, okay? And when you do this, you, you, you apply a little feel down both reins. You kind of pick up and put a little pressure on both reins, kind of pulling it towards you slightly. And you wait for this mule to kind of give it the pole there, kind of give longitudinally and, and soften there to both reins, okay? And Lindsay says, now, I can see that I'm sure there's some value in this, and I'm sure there's a reason you're doing this, but will you please tell me why? Why Why do I need a soft feel? Why do I need to do this? I don't see any point. Now, she was riding a gated mule, and uh, so I kind of used some of that as an example. You know, there's a lot of people that, that pull their gated mules, and they use big, long shanks, eight inches long, whatever long, to pull those mules, and they want to, really put a lever on them to get them to, to gate. And then there's others, like I have a special episode. I can't wait to publish it. It'll be published in a few weeks that I did with my friend Nancy Baldock, a champion in the world of gated mules and horses. Very, very, she's achieved a lot. And, you know, she likes to build this collection of self-carriage into her gated stock for better performance, for a better walk. And so, you know, Lindsay riding a gated mule, I, I shared that with her a little bit. But then I also said, you know, the soft feel, the key with that soft feel is it helps it helps your mule to get ready. And that's key, to get them ready to go forward, ready to back up, ready to turn, ready to trot, ready to side pass, leg yield, haunches in. I mean, there, there's endless things that you need that soft feel for. And it's kind of one of those tools that once you figure out how to use that tool, well, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't go without it ever again. So anyways, when you come to a clinic, I want you to come and ask me why. And don't be shy. If there's something that we do in the clinic that you don't understand, I want you to ask why, because the why makes the difference. All right. Well, uh, you know, it was a great clinic. Uh, everybody worked really hard. I'd love to just go down the list and talk about each person, but I'm not going to do that on this episode. Uh, but they all did really good. I appreciate the work ethic. And when you when you show up to a clinic with me, I want you to be ready to work. You know, it, it's it's rarely that you'll be able to get three or four or five days, however long the clinic is that you're coming to with me. It's rare that you will get th- three solid days or more to where you can just dedicate just to your mule. You don't have to worry about the farm, the ranch, the job, 
the spouse, the kids, the, the, the cat, the dog. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. You can just show up to a clinic and you can work and just focus on you and your mule. That's pretty special. And I hope when you come to a clinic, you're gonna, that you will take advantage of that and just enjoy that time. I know these people in Wisconsin sure did. They did a great job. So, hey, uh, you know, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast platform, wherever you're listening, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And if it's not too much to ask, if you've enjoyed these podcasts, these episodes, would you please leave me a five-star rating and a review? I would love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to hear feedback from the podcast. I really like when you guys screenshot your favorite podcast episodes and you post them on social media and you tag me in it. Uh, if you post on Instagram, be sure to tag me at TS Mules. That's my handle on Instagram. Tag me there. Uh, those of you that are preparing to come to a clinic soon, be sure to look up tsmules.com. That's where you sign up. You can see our clinic schedule. You can see where we're going next. You can see the class descriptions. And most importantly, you can see the videos on there so that you can watch them, come prepared, ready to learn. Well, friends, it's time for me to go. This rain is picking up pretty hard, and I best uh, get on in the trailer. So, hey, uh, until next time, God bless you, and we will see you down the road. I need to thank my friend, Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA. Right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks. And uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A-M-I-N. Romanhome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you.